Our sermon passage this morning is Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 through 19. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which we have not benefited which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as, though who will have to, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience, desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this, in order that I may be restored to you the sooner. So now, our Father and our God, pray that you would speak to us from your word. Open our minds, open our hearts, open our ears. Open us up to hear the leading of your spirit, to hear the direction that you have for us and cause us to believe and change us, O God, we pray. Lord, this is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. If you have not done so already, please take a Bible and turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 13. If you're our guest today, um, we are working our way through the book of Hebrews, and um, the section which Ben just read for us is, is the next section that, that, that we are to consider. So when I talk about leadership and following leaders today, it's important that you know like, there's no problems here. There's no divisiveness. This is not a heavy-handed leader trying to force people to, to do something as much as this is us taking seriously every verse of God's word. And so this section, verses 7 through 19, we're actually going to look at over the next two weeks. And today's, today's sermon is entitled, Learning to Follow. And particularly, we're going to look at those parts um, in verses 7, 8, and 9, and verses 17, 18, and 19, that are talking particularly about the blessing of leadership within the local church, the blessing of leadership to the people of God. That's particularly what we're going to look at today. Um, and this is what we're going to see. What we're going to see is that, that godly, faithful, Christ-like leaders are a blessing to the people of God. Godly, faithful, Christ-like leaders are a blessing to the people of God, particularly to the local church. Before we look at it, though, I just want to appeal to you. Um, 
the sermon kind of landed like a hand grenade tossed in the middle aisle during the first service. So I'm going to see if I can soften things up a little bit, particularly for all you guys that are sitting on the middle aisle here. Don't want the hand grenade. Um, you know, today, if you're a college football fan, is crazy season. It begins today. Um, every team without a football coach is bidding on an open market to spend millions of dollars to get a new leader. Our, our culture in some ways is fascinated with leaders. We like football coaches and baseball coaches and politicians. Like, like on that level, we understand that leadership matters. And yet in our culture, our love of leadership is, is good right up until the point that a leader asks, encourages, or tells us to do something. And then all of a sudden, we don't like leadership because we don't like being told what to do, right? Am, am I, am I, am I kind of hitting the core here? So here, here's my appeal to you today. To be a Christian is to be a follower, particularly a follower of Jesus. But the essence of discipleship, the essence of life in the kingdom, the essence of life in the church is to follow the leader. His name's Jesus. But what this passage and many passages in the New Testament are saying to us is that Jesus, the King, has given local, tangible, human leadership to his church for the good of his people. And so I'm more than anything this morning, I just want to appeal to our hearts and to our minds that faithful, loving, Christ-like leadership is a gift to us. It's a gift to us. So much so that if our current leaders aren't as faithful and Christ-like as they should be, rather than ousting them and having a mutiny, we should pray for them and encourage them help them because faithful Christ-like leadership is a gift to the church and it's a gift to you whether you're a part of this church or any other church that's how God has built his church so let's look at this in turn let's let's see what the passage says to us so first point for for those of you that want to take notes this morning the blessing of leaders the blessing of leaders. And by that, what I mean is not that we should bless our leaders. That We'll talk about that later. But rather what I mean is leaders are a blessing. Leaders are a blessing. And that inner part of us that doesn't like being told what to do, that doesn't like being guided, that doesn't like being shaped by others, what we have to say back to that inner part of us is leadership is a blessing established by God. And I'm just going to appeal to that over and over and over again today. How so? Look at verse seven. He says, remember your leaders, those who spoke past tense to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So most scholarly reading of verse seven, and I would agree, believes that, that in this verse, he's not talking about their current leaders within the church but he's talking about leaders they had past tense. Now, we don't know what happened to them. Did they, did they move on? Did God put them in another place? Did they just die because they were old? Or were they martyred for the cause of Christ? We're not sure. 
But, but what we know is that these Christians have had and have received faithful leadership past tense. And what he appears to be saying to them is such past faithful leadership is a blessing to them currently. So it seems to me that what the, the echo of this passage is, is godly Christ-like leaders within the people of God is a gift to the people of God. He says, remember them. Don't forget. Don't forget their faithful guidance of you. He says, consider the outcome of their way of life. Consider what happened to them. Consider how they faithfully followed after Jesus all the way to the end. Study them and imitate their faith. He doesn't say imitate them. He doesn't say imitate what they did. He says, imitate their obedient trust in Jesus. I don't think we use words like remember, don't forget, consider, study, and imitate, be like of people who are not good for our souls. If, if this leadership was not a blessing to these folks, I don't think language like remember, consider, and imitate would be the language of the day. So the calling to remember, to consider, to imitate. What that is shouting to us is that faithful, and, and there is unfaithful, Christ-like, and there is unchrist-like, obedient, and there's disobedient, but faithful, Christ-like, obedient leadership within the church is a blessing to the people of God. That seems to be the message or one of the large takeaways from this verse. And now you may say, okay, but why? Why do we need that blessing? And I might say, well, because God said so. Would that work? Because this sermon could get shorter. We'll, we'll keep going. But the reason is, is because we continually need to be pointed to God, God's gospel, and God's truth as long as we're on this earth. So, so look, he says... And it feels like an odd turn, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, some of you may have that like framed and hanging in your kitchen or like crocheted and, and sitting on a coffee table somewhere in your house. And like, that's all cool. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's not going to change. That's a beautiful thing. But the reality of the passage is he's saying like, your former leaders, they taught you the word of God and Jesus is the same today as he was then. And he's going to be the same forever and ever. And the problem, verse 9, is there are those who will try to lead you away from Jesus. Don't be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which we have not which have not benefited those devoted to them. And so what he's saying is don't be led away by the new and the novel and the strange, but remain faithful to what you've always been faithful to. The Jesus of your past leaders is the Jesus of your current leaders who is the Jesus that you always need. And so what he's saying is we always need faithful, godly, Christ-like leaders to point us to Christ, to point us to the gospel, to point us to God's word, to point us to God's truth. 
This is the reality of the kingdom. So as long as we're fallible and as long as we're malleable and as long as we're able to be influenced, we need the blessing of godly Christ-like leaders to lead God's people through this world. And so I'm just pleading with you to to believe that, that godly leaders are a blessing. That's my plea with you. Now, I I think he's speaking particularly of the church. I think that's probably true of the world at large, but he's speaking particularly of the church here. And so within the church, that layer of, of, of primary pastoral leadership would be the office of pastor or elder. Ephesians chapter four says that God has given these leaders to the church for the building up of the church and, and to prepare all of the church for the work of ministry. And so, so the, the assumption of the New Testament is that healthy churches have faithful Christ-like leaders. And what, what this passage, I think, is imploring us to believe is that such leaders are a blessing to us. Now, if you're a leader on any level, if you're a leader on any level, and I think this idea of leader can be a little broader than maybe you're, you're immediately thinking. So here at Redeemer Church, we have nine elders, nine men who kind of serve as that team of, of elders who are called to do that Ephesians 4 kind of leadership here. But we have people who teach Bible studies. We have people who are leading discipleship groups. We have staff members who are giving um, leadership to particular affinity areas within our church. Um, we, we have leaders of community groups. And I would just say on any level, if you're a spiritual leader within the church of Jesus, there's a very humbling message for us here. We're called to live in such a way that verse seven could be said of us. And that kind of just makes me want to go sit down and let somebody else come up here and finish this sermon. We're called to live in such a way that that someone could rightly say, remember what that person said. Consider how that person lived. Imitate their obedient trust in Jesus. Leaders, if if we're going to take up the mantle of leadership on any level within the church of Jesus, that's our calling and that's humbling, which means it thrusts us at the foot of the cross. It thrusts us into dependence upon the Holy Spirit, but, but that's the calling. And verse seven is very, very humbling to us. So let us see that leadership is a blessing to God's people. Second point, follow the leader. If leadership is a blessing, then the, the skill, the impulse, the muscle to be cultivated is the impulse to follow the leadership of those whom God has put into place to follow the leadership of those that God has put into place. So 
I'm still not sure whether kids play this game anymore, but I remember when I was in elementary school, we played a game called Follow the Leader. You guys remember Follow the Leader? It really didn't have a point because like nobody can win, nobody can lose. I just think teachers needed something to do for about 10 minutes. So we played Follow the Leader a lot. But the idea of follow the leader was this. If you're the leader, you're always right, which, that, by the way, that's not what I'm saying today. That's just the game, okay? Just in the game. If you're the leader, you're always right, and everybody has to do what you do. So you touch your nose, they have to touch their nose. You fall down, they have to fall down. You cut your leg, they have to cut their leg. You say a word, they have to say their word. That's just follow the leader, right? Kids, do you guys still play follow the leader today? See, they don't. They don't even know what I'm talking about. And so I could make something up and say, so we've killed the game follow the leader because we're averse to leadership. But I don't know if that's true or not. But minimally, what the game follow the leader accomplished was it, it, it taught little boys and little girls to look at the leader and pay attention to the leader and learn to do what the leader was doing, right? Minimally, the game accomplished that. And so I think where this passage goes is from remember your leaders to it goes straight to follow them. So lest you think I'm speaking to directly, let's go to verse 17. And again, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Some of you guys are like, man, you're just going to skip all over that. No, we're going to talk all about that next week. It's too good to give five minutes to. So come on back next week. Verse 17. What do we do with this idea? So he goes from leaders past now to leaders present. I feel like we're in the Christmas story here, the Christmas carol. Like, like leaders past, leaders present, leaders future. Anyway, leaders present. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. Do you hear what he just said? He said, leadership is such a gift to you that you should obey your leaders, you should submit to your leaders, and you should do so in such a way that their leadership is joyful. Now, all you parents that would sign up for your kids signing off on that right now. Anybody? Yeah, all y'all, right? Okay. Again, this isn't some kind of heavy-handed play. It's just the idea that within God's church, He's appointed leaders that are intended to help us follow after Jesus. So, before we look particularly at the verse, let's remember this, that we are all followers. We're all followers. Jesus said, it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which makes me think it's important to the message of Jesus. Jesus said... If anyone, this is Matthew 16, 24. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So what Jesus is saying is that the essence of being a Christian, the essence of belonging to Christ is not just to repent and believe. It is that, but in repenting and believing to follow after Jesus. To be a Christian is to be a follower of Christ. Now, the leaders that he's put over the church, we're not following them. We're following them as they point us to Jesus. They're a means to an end. But the impulse of following is is in place for all of us. 
And I'll often say to new parents and to young parents, one of your jobs with your toddlers is to teach them to obey authority because ultimately they can't come to Christ until they realize they have an authority over them. We'll do parenting lectures over by the piano after the service if you guys want to, anyway. But I think that, that similarly it applies. Like, like one of the ways that, that we learn to follow after Jesus is to follow the leadership of those that he's put in place to point us to him. We learn to see spiritual leaders as those appointed by Christ to help us follow Christ. Therefore, we fight against this earthly American impulse to not like leadership, to not like guidance, to not like being told what to do. I can't tell you as a pastor how many times I've literally heard people say this. I see that what you're telling me is in the scripture, but I just don't like being told what to do, so I'm not going to do it. Literally, like that comes out of people's mouths. Like, it's not about me. Like, I'm just the conduit where the scripture is flowing. Like, and, 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 and you're granting me that you see that it's not me, it's the scripture. And yet, we don't want to do it just because we don't want to be told what to do. If that was just one person, you might feel like I was picking on you today. But I've heard that multitudes of times over a decade and a half of ministry. Leadership is a gift to help us get to Here's the last thing I'll say before I want to get into this. If we always knew what was best and we always knew how to do what was best and we were always willing to do what was best, we probably wouldn't need leadership, right? So the idea of leadership assumes that we might be guided and directed in ways that we wouldn't choose. That's just kind of how it all fits together. So let's look at the words. Verse 17 says this, Obey and submit to your leaders. Now, just for fun, I looked up every English translation of the Bible I could find. And except for the message, which actually has a good translation, I'll read that in a minute. Except for the message, they all have the exact same translation of the first word of verse 17. It's obey. So that makes me think that it probably means obey. Because people who make money to find nuance and, and, and find new words and new ways to say it, they all say the same thing. Obey. And then the second verb, submit, do you know what it is in every English translation besides the message? Submit. So that makes me think that this author of Hebrews under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit would say, if leadership from God through people is a blessing to the people, then the, the discipline for us to learn is the discipline of following. It's the discipline of obeying and submitting. It's the discipline of being led. And I know it's a discipline we're called to learn. It's a spiritual discipline, but that is the impulse of this passage. And I actually think the message does a good job here because he says, be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. Be responsive and listen. It's another way of saying, follow, follow. And then, let's look at the last sentence. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning. So that seems to imply a, 
a joyful level of following such that our leaders aren't banging their head against the wall saying, what an obstinate herd the Lord has given to us. By the way, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody here at Redeemer say that, but just Google church strife and see what pops up. Um, So church folks, I think what this passage is saying is leadership's a gift for all of us. And our flourishing here at Redeemer flows kind of down the path of of faithful Christ-like leadership, but it also flows down the path of joyful, obedient, willing followers of the leaders God's given us. And I know this is a bit of a kind of a two-step, but but just, just hear it for what it is. So I have some questions for all of us. What is my first impulse toward the leading of our leaders? What is my first impulse? I'm not saying what you would dare say. I'm saying what you think and even know you shouldn't say. What's my first impulse toward the leading of our leaders? Second, to that impulse, will you consider the blessing of leadership before allowing that inner revolt against it to take place? Will you consider the blessing of godly leadership before allowing that inner revolt against it to take place? Third, will you accept, will we accept, will I accept that the calling of leadership is not to please me, but to guide us to the Lord? Will we accept that the calling of leadership is not to please me, but to guide us to the Lord? Seems that this passage would say that if leadership is a blessing, we'll learn and prayerfully consider and seek after the discipline of following the leaders God has given to us. I want you to understand, everyone is a follower. That includes me. That includes our individual elders and all the individual leaders in our church. We're all followers of Jesus and we're all under authority. And this Thursday night at 6.30, we have an elders meeting and I will attend that and I will get the joy of following leadership. Or I might have to go through these three questions. But either way, that's part of how things work. Now, I spoke to leaders on the first point. Let me speak to leaders on the second point. If you're a leader of any stripe within the church, remember this. He says, our our calling is to keep watch over the souls of the flock. Our calling is to care for the spiritual needs of the flock. He also says that we will give an account to the Lord for how we lead his flock. The church belongs to Jesus. This is the gospel. Jesus died and rose again to forgive sinners, to redeem sinners, 
to build a church and that church, he is growing in the world and it belongs to him. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to anyone. And ultimately we will give an account to Jesus for how we've led his church. So, Redeemer, will we accept that spiritual leadership is a blessing from God to us? And will we prayerfully commit to learn the discipline of following the guidance of those the Lord has placed in leadership over us? Not for their platform, but so that we can all experience the glorious, saving, redeeming, powerful grace of Jesus together. Let's make this commitment together because we believe that what God desires for God's church is good and right and best. Father, we pray that you would teach us, guide us, and help us. Pray that you would cause us to see the power of the gospel of Jesus displayed all around us, within us, and through us. Congregation, at this time, we're going to receive the Lord's Supper. As Zane talked of earlier, our only hope is in who Christ is and what Christ has done for us. Salvation comes to those who repent and believe in Christ. So each week we take a piece of bread symbolizing the body of Jesus and a a cup symbolizing the blood of Jesus. And we eat them, we drink them as a declaration that that we belong to Christ and we will follow him in his world. So here at Redeemer Church, we invite anyone who's a Christian, anyone who's repented and believed for salvation, made that known to the church, we invite you to take this bread and take this cup with us. If you're here today, you're not a follower of Christ, we'd ask you let the bread and the cup pass. But we also would ask you that today you consider Jesus You consider that he came, he lived, he died, he rose again to redeem broken, hurting, sinful people like you. And consider what it would look like to come to know him today. So we're gonna sing. These folks are gonna pass out the bread and the cup. I'll come back in a few minutes and we'll take them together.